Uh, Let's open our time in prayer and get our time started if we could. Father, I come to you this morning just asking that um, you'd be glorious in our midst, um, both in this time that we have and also in the morning service. Father, we we can't help but uh, uh, stand in awe of who you are and uh, know that you are God. We are not, and that we worship you because you are worthy and that you are majestic, that you are the one who is above all things, transcendent above your creation, and yet you desire to want to um, dwell with us, have fellowship with us, desire um, an intimate relationship with us. You have given us um, everything that we need to become more like you. And Father, I pray that as we go through our time together this morning, that you would help us understand the um, quest that we should be on in our lives, help us to assess our own lives and where we stand in that quest. And Father, I understand the journey that um, given us the absolute clarity of what we should be diligently about. Uh, <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would help us even today as we look at the stark reality of the consequential results that should come in our lives um, or won't come in our lives due to our decisions in our life. And Father, may um, your spirit weigh heavily in our souls um, as we um, navigate through your word. pray that your spirit would illuminate our hearts about our own hearts. And Father, I pray that you would use the time that we have here in a way that only you can do, Father, whether it's in this room and those you bring, Father, or whether it's the um, ministry of the Word of God on the Internet, as someone somewhere in this world has a chance to be able to listen to this time we have together. Father, may you use what you want to to further your purposes and your glory, and most, and Father, that um, it would be for our good. Father, we thank you that you have given us your, your Word, which allows us to know magnified in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Um, So, I wanted to just quickly, if you haven't been with us, just really do a flyby for the last two weeks um, to give you a sense of where we are, and uh, we'll jump into our time together. I have a lot to want to talk about today. So, um, we are in a study of 2 Peter, and it really is... um, as opposed to First Peter, it's a it's a it's a primer about um, how to know, understand, see, um, be in conflict with false teaching and false teachers. And uh, uh, we the the, uh, the the way in which we do that is really to guarding guarding against false teaching by four things: one, understanding our faith; two, understanding the scriptures; three, understanding our adversaries themselves. And four, understanding our promise, the hope that's laid up before us, as First Peter talks about. So that's, that's the framework of the book. That is where we're at. That's why we're studying what it is. That's the theme behind it. And uh, uh, we, started, we started verses 2 through 11, um, and we broke that down into three sections, three different parts. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at our quest, uh, which is to know God in the first couple verses. And in that, in that, in that passage, um, we saw that, um, just like Enoch, um, you know, the value proposition of knowing God and through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so how important that should be is our passion. And we looked at God's sufficiency. That has to do with like Him giving us everything that we need for um, becoming more like Christ. Um, life and godliness is how He defines it. And um, we do that through this kind of process of getting to know and understand who God is. And we looked at, at, at Corinthians where Paul talks about like the process of getting to know God is in the process of encounter to encounter and the beholding to beholding. And so the beholding takes place in the Word of God where the Spirit of God shows up and actually discloses his, Himself to us. And so that is that process. It's, it's, it's an ongoing process. It says, who called us by his own glory and excellence. So these are the two character attributes of who God is. His glory, the, the, the aggregated manifestation of the attributes of his character. 
um, into um, um, uh, into light that is like amazing, and that's our that's the, how that's manifested to uh, his creation. Um, and he says, by these, his glory and his excellence, um, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. And these promises, then, he says, are that the way in which we can become partakers of the divine nature. So what that just means is that we can become more like Christ, which is his plan of record, you know, engraven before the foundation of the world, that we would become like that. And so um, our part in the process is, and, and, and if you remember in our, in our conversation, it's really about reversing these almost, is to you know, decide to say no to sin, basically. So it's, it's to, it's to um, escape the corruption. And the word corruption, if you remember, was this uh, word that comes from the, like the garbage dump, you know, where it's like putrid and rot, rot, rotting lot of things. And, and that we would understand that, that is, that's the thirstings that, that have been kind of engraved in our souls by our humanness. But that is a, pro, that is a, a, a product that God is trying to transform in who we are. And so that is something that um, he says is our part. And so our quest is to know God. We said in summary of that section, we said as we passionately pursue knowing God through his precious and magnificent promises, and we lean fully into the, the, the incredible power of the resurrection, uh, um, we will please God. Um, and then as we run, as we decide to run from the, the thirstings or the lusts of the world that corrupt and deceive our souls, we will become more like Christ. So that's the framework for the first one, which is our quest. When we looked at our journey last week to become more like him, we said um, there are two parts to this. One is um, God's prescription on, on us. And he says our, his prescription is that we would, quote, diligently um, uh, apply all diligence in our faith. And the word supply, if you remember from last week, is this, this idea of an um, orchestrator. An orchestrator who in the early... Um, Greek world would, would, would pay for everything in a lavish way to put on these plays. And like he would like, t- he would like pay for everything. And so th- the thought here is that you know, God has, quote, paid for everything and put everything at our disposal in these, quote, seven prescriptions uh, that should become our pursuit. And so those prescriptions, as we looked at last time, let me just double-click on each one of these. What do you think is um, moral excellence? If you had to describe it without looking at the slide, what is moral excellence? There's seven of these qualities or these character traits or virtues is what we're going to talk about here. How would you describe moral excellence? First one is kind of a summary kind of thing, a focus. Thoughts? Okay. Anybody else thinking? <laughs> it's character that's more following the Lord than following the world. Okay. Overall, when you have a choice, follow the Lord, don't follow the Lord. Okay, so the desire to to fundamentally please God, right? I mean, with that will come all the other things probably, right? Yeah. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so this this lining up your actions to your to your character is this word we call integrity. So moral excellence really is integrity. It's it's the alignment of who we are with what we believe, right? And so it could be. It's kind of the summation of everything. Like it could be our pursuit of God, because in, in doing that, it will show our character, right? It's purity. It's it's all of those things kind of wrapped up there. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's kind of the overall first character trait. Um, second is knowledge, and we said knowledge here is not knowledge of the world, world, but it's knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of which, then, we said it really becomes this biblical worldview that we are in pursuit of to understand. So that if we understand that filter as a grid by which we look through life and the universe, then through that, we are actually capable of making right decisions. And as a result of making right decisions, this time, this time, this time, that's a demonstration of wisdom over time. And that process is the process by which we become more like Christ. And we are used by him to accomplish his purposes. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why knowledge is so important. Because it's knowledge of scripture. It's knowledge of the word of God. Not just to know it, but to know how to use it and to know how to live by it. Okay? So that's the framework, if you would. Um, it's the mind of Christ. 
Um, third is self-control. How would you define self-control then? Say no sin. Absolutely. It's also um, um, the reverse of that too, because I can't just go through my life like like saying no to everything or no to sin, right? It's it's about like how do I replace that with things, something that's far greater and in infinite worth than what I was saying no to? Because I won't that that won't be a prescription for a long term improvement of my soul if I just am saying no once here and then I you know whatever. It's about like. Have I come to grips with a more infinite value proposition than that which I'm saying no to? If I have, then that will become far more compelling in my life. Okay. Fourth is perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance is to bear up underneath. It's, it's the long-term endurance. It's the encouragement um, that comes in the midst of trials and 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 suffering. It's the it's it's our ability. I'll suggest to trust God for the duration of time. It's not a point in time. It's usually a, a time frame. It's a period of time by which God is at work in us either to display His glory or for us to learn to become more like Christ. That is what it is. It's that simple. And it's, and it's, and it's this um, encouragement, steadfastness is the word we think we used last time. Four of them. Number five, godliness. And godliness, we said, is this kind of delicate balance between um, Christ-centeredness and Christ-likeness. And so Christ-centeredness is about like our focus on Him. It's our fear of Him. It's our devotion to Him. It's our intimacy with Him. It's, our, it's all of those things that are wrapped up in how we are centered on Christ. And I use the verse in, in Hebrews chapter... Um, uh, uh, 12, you know, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay, so that's where our eyes are focused, are centered. That's the first half of godliness. The second half of godliness is become more like Christ, Christ likeness. And so that has to do with um, my character, it has to do with my conduct, it has to do with both sides of that equation in how I'm becoming more like Christ. So it's, it's, it's honoring and putting the proper uh, reverence. Um, of who God is and adoring Him to the level that it will make fundamental, conscientious, transforming decisions in my life. Okay, Godliness. Third, uh, the sixth is brotherly kindness. And these, these, this, this kind of combination of words um, refers to really um, how our love for God is demonstrated with one another. Um, you know, Peter, First Peter 1, uh, I think it was um, 22, he says, like, let, let the love of the brethren, like, be fervent, be fervent in the love of the brethren, um, because you've been washed clean. Um, so it's this affection, or this love for one another. Um, th- this one here tends to um, uh, be something that some of us struggle with more than others, from the standpoint of our time, our, our focus, um, you know, feeling like maybe... You know, we should be served versus serving one another. And so it is, it is just something that I just want to put on the table and call it out. Like, this is one of the more challenging ones for, for a lot of us, is to, is to love one another the way God has loved us. Um, and then the last one is love. Um, so this is that sacrificial love. Um, and um, it, uh, it could be our love for God. It could be our love for one another. It could be either of those two. Makes sense? I, and the way that this is it just builds. I mean, yeah. it's like it, the, the way the commas go and all of this. You know, in your you know moral excellence, the knowledge is tied up. Yep. In, and then from the knowledge, the self control. Yes. From that, all of these things spring from yes. the last. Yes. Because they're building. Right? Yeah, they're yeah. building on the, the first one is an overall framework. Okay. Mm-hmm. But from there on, it like builds and develops and it grows and and. Uh, it's not like one is more important than the other, but it is that all are all are crucial uh, to understand in their place. Yeah. I just thought when I was reading this, I was reading it, like I I, I kind of see this obviously as this theme of love throughout the Bible. You know, you said that, but what first struck my eyes like it ended on love. Like he could have chose to like when he wrote it to put it you know first or yep. whatever, but it, the fact that I think it ends on love is like a huge significant in what we're. Absolutely, and and it's really fascinating because Second um, Peter, you know, chapter one, 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, Paul's, Paul's telling Timothy, like, in all of your teaching, because he's, 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 he's teaching his younger study, right? He says, in all of your teaching, let it be known that love is the, 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 the thing that you should have the greatest focus on. It should be what characterizes all your teaching. Um, and I, I'll suggest that that is the, kind of the, the most um, appealing, let's say, um, uh, uh, component of, of our lives with non-believers. It just is. I mean, when, when that doesn't exist, oh my goodness, they find great fault quickly. Um, and uh, so, yeah, really big. Any other thoughts on that? So just in closing here, that summary was because we've been given everything we need for life and godliness along with God's love letter, as we diligently pursue these virtues that God has prescribed for us, which are here, we will, quote, lavishly supply confirmation to our souls as to the assurance of our salvation. Um, as to the assurance of our salvation. So I said last time, like, like one, of the cha- one of the things that I, in my counseling with people that I have one of the mo- more, m- more abundant um, opportunities is this whole area of assurance of our salvation. I gave you a handout um, that I want you to just quickly take a look at because it will be a summation of all three of these uh, part, part one, part two, and part three. And so this is not something we'll, we'll have the time to go through, but I want you to encourage you to go through it on your own. And it is assurance of salvation. If you just take a quick look at it, um, let me just steal one real quick. Um, what you'll see is like the definition of this, okay? Um, some call it eternal security, others call it assurance, preservation, um, uh, or perseverance of the saints. And if you look at the slides really quickly, what I give you is the value proposition of assurance. So it, it completes our joy. And I encourage you to go through this in detail. It's really a fascinating study. It completes our joy. It removes barriers to seeking God's purposes. It opens the door to worship. It strengthens us. It provides us hope. It makes us love to obey. It provides us peace. It provides us hope. It allows us to wait on the Lord. It refines our hearts. And then the next question I ask here is, why do we doubt or lack assurance on, on every one of these what I do is I give you the problem, and then I give you the solution. Okay. So the first is preaching, we sit or teaching, we sit underneath. Uh, two is we, we feel we are too sinful to be saved um, or forgiven, I'll say. Three, we don't understand the gospel. Four is we don't remember uh, when we were saved. Uh, five, we struggle with the intensity of our flesh. Six, we don't rec- recognize God's hand in trials that can overcome us. Um, seven is we aren't walking in the Spirit. And eight, we um, are in willful sin. Um, so those are some thoughts and some some uh, some work that maybe would help you um, as we go through. Uh, you can go through on your own if you would. Any questions on that? Make sense? Okay, so that's really kind of an output of all three of these weeks. Because as we think about like a primer for addressing false teaching in our, um, in, in, you know, in, in in the church and in our lives. I'll suggest that assurance of our salvation is the is the bulwark or the confidence that we have to have in order to address that from the very fundamental perspective. Does that make sense? I mean, how can we be confident to that end and not? I mean, how how can we address those things uh, confidently without having that confidence um, uh, uh, built there? Okay. So our results, our results, and I've called this to ach- achieve success. To achieve success, and success here obviously is. Um, the way uh, the, what I'm defining as success here is how God sees success, not how we see success. So, how does God see success? Not the world, not us. How does God see success? And that's our results. Okay. Our learning objectives. If you go to slide uh, page two in your handout, um, page two in your handout, what you'll see is my my goal for today is to, de- to determine these things here: the possible outcomes available to me in life. The possible outcomes available to me in life. What I'm saying is that there's more than one. There's actually two. And there are only two. And what are those two? The possible outcomes available to me in my life. Okay? First, and then, quote, decide to please the Lord so I will grow in two things. My intimacy with Him experientially and that I would strengthen my confidence in, in our living hope. It would, it would strengthen or garrison um, my confidence in my assurance of my salvation. Our living hope is what he call, calls it in First Peter. 
to grow experientially in my intimacy with him and strengthen my confidence in our living hope. And so my goal from a learning objective today would be to understand the two decisions, you know, back to, you know, two choices on the shelf, right? Um, and then understand very clearly um, that in order to please the Lord, I would be able, in doing that, making that choice, I would, I would grow my intimacy and I would develop this confidence or garrison or bulwark of, of assurance in my life. Okay? Fair enough? All right, so with that, let's jump to um, the uh, scriptures itself, verses 8 through 11. Um, Cheryl, would you begin by looking at the negative possibility, which is verse 9? Can you read verse 9 first? And then can you read verse 8, 10, and 11 for us? But he that lacketh these things mind, and cannot see afar off, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Back to 8. Yep. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you, abundantly, the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Amen. So I've broken, I've broken up into two parts. First is this negative possibility, which we see in verse 9. I'm going to talk about that first, okay? And then I'm going to say the possible possibilities, which will be verse 8, 10, and 11. Okay, you see how that's broken up now? Okay? And in each of these sections, I'm going to talk about the what, and then I'm going to talk about the implications of the what in our life. Okay? Make sense to everybody? I'm going to talk about the what, or what is the decision, what's the option, and then I'm going to talk about the implications, or the results, or the ramifications that are part of that decision. Okay? Fair enough? All right. All right, so let's start with verse 9. <clears throat> he says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So option number one that we're going to look at here is to not pursue these virtues, not pursue these qualities, not pursue these character traits that we just looked at, the seven, starting with moral excellence through love. If we do not pursue these virtues, so he, for, it says for he who lacks these qualities, the qualities we're talking about again is verses five through seven, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. I don't know why, because I've thought about it a lot. It feels like, you know, are these holistic? Are these all-inclusive? You know, because I, I can think about some other things, right? But for some reason, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Peter says these are the seven things to, to focus on. And uh, I just find that very interesting, very fascinating. Um, so, if I don't pursue these virtues, that's, that's, these are the qualities or the character attributes um, that he's talking about here. So this is a believer who, regardless of the reason, hasn't made an explicit decision to pursue these virtues. So the option is to not pursue these virtues. Is it, easy, is it easier to not make the decision or to make a decision? <laughs> not making the decision you're making. Yeah, Absolutely. And so it's much easier to not make a decision, isn't it? I mean, think about our lives. It's far easier to just like go through them and not make conscientious decisions for godliness, not conscientious decisions to please God. Because if I just go through life and I just let it come to me and let it, let it be what it is and not take that step of initiative, because of sin, our world has actually been, been, been put in a place that we're going to experience death. We're going to experience the outcomes of not making decisions for rightness. I find that really interesting. So if I go through life, I know right, what are the right things to do, and I don't do them, according to James, it says what? It is sin. So, and therefore, I'm going to experience the outcomes of that. It's just it's, it's the way since the fall that, that has been put in place. I just That's interesting to me. That's quite fascinating. It tells me that, like, Whoa, like decisions in my life actually like matter and they mean something. Like, because if I don't, 
almost invariably, it's just that I'm going along with what my natural self is going to be a part, uh, just wants to do. Dave? Yes. Would you do that? Yeah. But also for this period, giving question, no action, action. Yeah. Because it's... Correct. But it takes hard work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I, I want to let that just sit with us for a second from the standpoint of like, hmm, like, 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 how am I doing in my life about making the right decisions for rightness in my life, for these seven things? Like, uh, am I intentional? Or do I just not think about it? I said here, it, it's regardless of the reason. It's regardless of the reason. You know what? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> However you didn't do that, like, you didn't do it, right? You didn't make that call. You know, that just speaks to when you when you meet the people, you know, and they're like the, addressing the being a doormat kind yeah. of a thing, you know, that they don't they don't want to be a mm-hmm. doormat, but a doormat does not make a decision, Correct. you know, and so uh, you know, no one's asking you to be a doormat, yep. but the choices you're making, we're asking. A God, you know, he wants us to make a decision for his right. glory, not for... And I'll, and I'll be the first to say, in some of these situations, let me tell you, it is hard. It is. Oh, yeah. It is really hard. It is. <laughs> you know, I don't want to one at one... I am dealing with a situation right now in a counseling setting that for this individual to be diligent, this will be the big... Second to coming to Christ, this will be the biggest decision they've ever made in their life. Ever. They are, they are petrified by it. But you know what? That's how you get to. That's how you go to life, because all you're experiencing right now is death. This is referring to. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is de- referring to to, 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 to to believers. Yeah, but they are correct. And, the, and and in this counseling setting, I mean, like this this could be like a whole new vista or world for this individual from from their marriage perspective. And it's like, oh, but all they see is the mountain. <laughs> right. All they see is the mountain. You know, it's like, well, focus on the value proposition. <laughs> you know, the value proposition is where how you can go th- push through this this opportunity. You know, in your life. Yeah. Is inviting us to also this. it will discern passion because come into this next section rest. No peace. Right. Yeah. And so the believer is going it's a barometer almost of where you're at spiritually. Mm. So to the non. So there are believers go through these things, and I'm, I said, like what you just said about loving one another. I'm struggling, let's say, with that. That is that foundation, and I think. Yeah. That, you know, that, that yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Blessed be the struggle. <laughs> Blessed be the struggle. The struggle is not bad. In fact, the struggle is a is a call to us to know that we're His children, because those who don't know Christ don't struggle. <laughs> so it's not. Struggle, that's the bad thing. It's what we do at, at the end of the struggle. You know, David struggled. You know, I point to anybody in the scriptures. You know, they struggled. That's a part of our humanness. But where do we end up in the, at the end of the struggle? And how long is the struggle? Those are two barometers of our growing in Christ. Okay. Um, the results then of option number one, failure. I'll call it failure. Failure could be described in our spiritual failure, our walk with Christ. It could be described in life. It could be stri- described as outcomes of that as death. It's failure. It's failure. And that's just the way it is. And so what I want to do here is give you four um, examples or, or descriptions of this failure that would be the outcomes or the, the, the observations or the conclusions that come as a result of, of, of this decision. Okay? First one is that to be blind or short-sighted. Blind or short-sighted. To be blind or short-sighted. <clears throat> this person... Uh, so first of all, let me ask you what that means. What do you think it means to be blind or short-sighted? Because we're talking about believers now. So, okay, so, yeah. Well, like, it reminds me of, like, when, uh, I don't know, where he finds the brethren. Yep. He tries, like, that's what he, like, he tries to not save. It's like the blind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, behind the scenes. So, so to me, it's like you're on yeah. the way, like, just as you come to Christ, almost, yeah. Yeah, like maybe you like. Yeah, yeah, and so like I can't see clearly. Like if I'm blind, I I can't either. I'm I can't see at all, or I can't see clearly, and so that's almost invariably just 
even if I can't see, it's just like in this little space like right here, you know. Um, and, and so um, this describes a person who cannot see rightly or discern anything spiritually. Can't see anything rightly or discern things spiritually. <clears throat> every day, every week that I grow in my walk with the Lord, I am becoming more and more uh, clear about the value of the scriptures and our ability to just discern anything at all in our lives. Anything at all. It's like, all, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we just put our script, put the scriptures over here and we, we live our lives and like, like the scriptures are the grid by which we have to interpret our, li- our life, our relationships, <clears throat> search situations, circumstances, the thirstings of our soul. Like, what's going on? Like, how, how, what actually is happening? Um, so, uh, this is blind or short sight. It also is true for where they are today that they can't see. But most importantly, out into the distance, when you think about like short-sighted, right? It's that they can't see a long ways away. They can't see far off. And then also, they can't see into the future. Both are compromised because of one's decision to not pursue these Seven characters, qualities. Fascinating. Turn with me to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Would somebody read verses 1 and 2, and then verse 10 and 11. Though the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot say, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made separation. You and your God and your sin's face from you that he does not hear. And then 10 and 11. Grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full are like dead men. Oh, I'm sorry, just 10, yeah. Um, and back up to 9b, it says, For we hope for light, but behold darkness. We, for brightness, but we walk in gloom. So what is he saying here? When you bridge these two together, those who 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 have you know sin that hasn't really been addressed in their life, and therefore they're not in pursuit of these things, it says like our world is what? It's, it's dark. It's dark. It's, you can't see clearly. It's at twilight. It's like very. It's hard to distinguish things. Um, can't disentangle gray um, to become a black and white. Exactly. Trying to find the room and the... Yeah. Exactly. Very good illustration. Um, Turn with me to Revelation uh, 3. Revelation 3. Somebody read um, verses um, 18 and 19. Buy for me gold wire, so that you may white garments, so that you may that the shame of your nakedness might and I shall to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So, talking to believers or non-believers in Laodicea, believers, right? Yeah. And he says, "I um, I advise you four things." I'm not going to go through the first three, but the fourth one is what to buy eye salve, so that what you can see. But were they physically blind? Is that why he's saying get some eye salve? Got a little problem on the with the eyes these days? <laughs> well, interesting enough, in that, in that physical community, that was an issue. But he bridges from that to do what? To talk about spiritual blindness mm-hmm. and spiritual sight and one's ability to accurately recognize the hand of God in these things and be able to understand them from his perspective. Huge issue. He says, if you... Choose not to pursue these seven things. This will characterize your life. Spiritually blind, spiritually short-sighted, not able to see the future the way God has laid it out. And therefore, if you can't see that, what do you lack? Context. Context. We make decisions in context. Context is reason. It's, it's why. Like if I just do the what's in life and forget and don't know the why's, it won't be a sustaining model. Only wise make it worthwhile. Only wise make relationships worthwhile. I just keep going back to the knowledge part of it, you know, and it's just such a full knowledge, certainly based on the truth of Scripture, but as we apply that to living every day, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, and the 
seeing God's hand in, you know, the good is easy. Yeah. It's the ugly that's yeah, hard to yeah. see God's hand in. But as you grow in knowledge, yeah. you see God's hand Absolutely. in that part of it. Oh, my goodness. And you're able to just see how God's been working in your life. and just It doesn't happen it's overnight. It's amazing. No. <laughs> exactly. So first is blind and short-sighted. Second of these four is... Um, Oh, I said, I said they lack a biblical worldview or a grid to interpret life. A grid to interpret life. I keep playing with the word games with these seven virtues. That each one of them is yeah. a building block. Mm-hmm. Love is on the top, and it serves as a lighthouse. Ah, I like that. That, that gives us the light to see the future, to see around us. Hmm. Without that light, we, we're in the dark. Amen. Amen. So the the second one, being blind and short-sighted, the second uh, result um, that ends in failure is that we forget. We forgot what God has done. It says, having forgotten what His purification from His former sins. So this actually means to have received forgetfulness or of catharsis or cleansing. It's to have forgotten that I was washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, to have forgotten that. So why do, why do we celebrate communion every week? To remember. Why? Because <laughs> I need this. <laughs> right? All of us need that. We are human. Yeah. And, and it's, we are prone to wander, prone to forget um, in our life. And so they, they easily forget or dwell on what God has done for them in the past, what He's doing for them in the present, and what He'll do for them in the future. It's like they're living their life, and then they all of a sudden kind of go, ah, and then and then there's what like like forgot God's involved here, you know, or or they're in a they're in a trial or a situation, and 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 they're just trying to go at it themselves, and like then they're arrested to understand like like maybe this is redemptive in nature, like maybe there's another context called God in the process here, and it actually changes how they think. About everything, um, and it's amazing. Um, and it's because they, because of this forgetfulness, they will lack assurance to their of their salvation. They will lack assurance of their salvation. Um, turn with me um, to Ephesians two, four through seven. Ephesians two, four through seven. Somebody read that out loud. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, just alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised and raised us up with him and seated us with him and so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So again, he says like... like we're forgetting what this says. He says we're, we forget that he has, quote, um, bef- taken us from a place of being dead in our transgressions, and he's, quote, made us alive with Christ, and that he's raised us up with him. He seated us in the heavenly places in Christ for the express purpose that he would, by the very nature of the act that he's done and the actions he's doing that we would become trophies of his grace for all eternity. That that it'll take all eternity to actually disentangle and unbundle and ask all the questions about like why did you do that? How did you do that? What was what were you doing when you did X and Y and like like that's amazing. Tell me the amazing stories, you know, that I never saw happening. I, I was totally oblivious to and like help me remember. Help me understand those things. It's going to be um, incredible, and so they've forgotten all that completely, um, and, and they and they forget it on a regular basis. Chapter five, verse eight says, um, uh, "For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light." Again, in the Lord, walk as children of light, and so we're only luminaries because of what Christ has done in our life. And He says, "Like by your forgetting, your your light's going out." <laughs> You're not being that light that you need to be. He says, be, be, be the light. Be the reflector of, of your time in the presence of the Lord, um, so to speak. Um, 
Also, um, uh, verses 26 and 27, he says uh, uh, that he might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, um, having that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and blameless. And so we've forgotten this washing or this purification of our former sins. And that not only did he do it then, but again, it's, it's a forgetfulness of even what he's doing now. Like, like he's forgiving me. Like my communion with him is becoming closer and closer or being pushed away. Like forgetting um, having that dashboard of intimacy with God as like the thing that fuels my soul, um, so to speak. Oh, in God. Yeah. God's yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anxiety, doubt. Yeah, it's a it's a cycle, it's a spiral. Yeah, very much so. I love the verses in Ephesians. It just is a dot. Yeah, of all of this. Yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like a V eight. It's like a V eight, right? Past the present. Yeah, V eight, Jesus. Amen. Titus three. Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. Somebody will read that. This is a trustworthy saying. I want you to stress so that those who have trusted devote themselves to do excellent and profitable for Okay, good. So he's saying, like, this salvation process of him saving or rescuing me, him washing me through this regeneration of purification of former sins, his renewing of me in the process of him forgiving me in the current state I'm in, um, opening up his presence to me. Um, He's done this in a rich, rich way through Jesus Christ our Savior. Um, And and he says that that is something that will continue to um, give us, in in verse 8, the ability to speak confidently about about our our salvation. Um, so, some key areas. Um, 1 John 1.7. Uh, let's look at that one too. 1 John 1.7. <clears throat> Somebody got that? Go ahead. Walk in the light of Jesus and fellowship with one blood of Jesus' son. Okay. So the blood of Christ is cleansing us from all sin as we are you know, in the process of um, walking in the light um, and have fellowship one, with one another. Um, so, this, this is just a journey of, of transparency. It's a journey of transparency before the Lord, and yet, um, in order to do that, we have to remember. And it starts with that remembering. And I think that's why one of those two observances that he's given us is to remember. Um, remember these things. So, second, first is blind and, and, and uh, short-sighted. Second is f- we forget what God's done, and I'll suggest is doing. Okay. Uh, two other observ- observational outcomes. The first is that th- they, they will be useless or unfruitful. Useless or unfruitful. He says, <clears throat> useless and unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It appears that we can, we can assume this person will spirit, be spiritually idle. Is the word idle is, is the, what use, useless means. Okay, And uh, as to really knowing God, and as, and as a result, quote, barren. I, I heard when you, you read your... Uh, your version, Cheryl, it said barren there. Um, so, uh, un- useless and unfruitful. Um, uh, and then the fourth one is plagued by sin. Uh, Dave, you mentioned this earlier, um, but plagued by sin. He says, you will stumble. He doesn't say you won't or you shouldn't. He says, you will stumble. And this word stumble um, could be translated a number of different ways. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, I believe that this is um, a description of like how this person is going to struggle from a from a, a pattern of sin in their life, or I'll call it maybe specific strongholds of sin in their life. Like it will be hard for them to uh, disentangle themselves from those things and 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 move on in their in their walk with the Lord. Um, it, it's just going to be really, really hard. And they'll just, by, by its very nature, find themselves wrapped up in and, and caught up in and, and overcome by. 
um, neutralized by the adversary through, um, all of those things um, will be the outcome of a person who hasn't like focused in these se- seven areas. So again, blind or short-sighted, for, they, they will have a tendency to forget what God has done or is doing in their life. Um, uh, number three is that they'll be useless and unfruitful from God's purposes, His kingdom, His glory. Like they'll be put, they'll have been neutralized from a, from being fruitful. You know, John 15. You know, by me, I will I will make you abundantly fruitful. Okay. And number four is uh, plagued by sin in their life. Okay. Pretty stark reality. Pretty stark reality. Well, let's keep going. Let's move to the second option. He says. Uh, before we get to the second option, as, as we get to the second option, I want to I want to call this one verse out, talk about it, and then go to the go, go to the option. Okay, the, the the verse here is therefore, brethren, be uh, part of the verse in, is be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. This is the prep preparation for for what he's about to say. Okay, so he says, be really diligent. Going back to verse five that David Dave read earlier, be all, all with all diligence do these things. He says, be very diligent to do what to make certain of his calling and choosing you. This word diligent is this sense of urgency, this sense of eagerness, this sense of zealousy. Um, and then to make certain is, is, is like to make it like legally confirm it, legally accurate, validate, validate it in so many words. And he says, diligent about and certain about what? His calling and choosing you. His calling and choosing you. And so the author is, is not saying that these... Um, virtues or these qualities produce salvation, but he's saying that that our salvation should, in fact, produce these fruits and qualities and virtues. Okay, and so he also says that that as these are are, are come into existence in our life and are being developed and grown, which is a process, he says that will confirm or validate that we are part of his elect. It will be a validation process in our life that we are part of his elect, his children. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. We've, we've looked at this in the past. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Somebody got it? Read it. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you and us. Okay. So, so... Um, a person who would be have been in this place that we just talked about would 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 have this lack of assurance, and therefore um, it would be hard for them as they test themselves to have concrete affirmation about the things that are happening and what God's doing. Um, that usually is the situation. He says, like, for a person who's being diligent and more certain about his calling, like, like they do this all the time. Like this is something that they really are uh, care about and are and are con- uh, concerned about is that is that their thirsting for God is becoming real. It's becoming it's become it's laying down foundations in their life to to become more like Him, and so that's the test. He says to 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 do, be diligent about His calling. The great news is, let's turn to um, Romans eleven twenty nine. Romans eleven twenty nine. By the way, I, I thoroughly believe that when we when we take that seriously in our life, like I'll call it take stock of where we're at spiritually, which is a really good thing to do. Like God confirms things. He shows our shows our hearts. He shows us what we're lacking in. All of us are lacking in these things. And and so how do we encourage each other? How do we encourage our hearts even to get on with it and be diligent about focusing on the things that make sense? Um, he will disclose to us what those things are. 11.29, somebody got it? Okay, his gifts and his calling are irrevocable. I don't know how you say it much more securely than that. It's like, it is what it is. It was before time, and he's made that decision, and he will call us. Um, 1 Thessalonians 1.4. 1, uh, uh, 1, 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Okay, he has chosen you. Amen. Um, let's skip Second Thessalonians. Let, turn with me to Second Timothy one nine. Second Timothy one nine. Anybody? Who 
saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because... So again, this holy calling is this uh, God's effectual call. It's not His general call, it's His effectual call that absolutely cannot be not answered <laughs> in our life. Okay? Uh, Titus 1, 1 and 2. Titus 1, 1 and 2. Somebody read that. Uh, do, do 1, 2 and 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, godliness, and hope of eternal life, God who cannot lie on the ages, at the proper time manifest proclamation. Okay. So, for the faith of those chosen by God and the knowledge of the truth, which is in accordance with godliness. Amen. Um, so, uh, make certain about his calling. Um, be diligent to double click on that on a regular basis is this point. Okay? Um, so what's option number two? Intentionally pursue these virtues. Intentionally pursue these virtues. That's our, that's our decision. Second option. Intentionally pursue these virtues. He says, do this in three ways. First is to acquire them. He says, um, for if these qualities are yours, um, something's going to happen. So, acquire them. So, it is our responsibility to acquire these virtues. It's our responsibility to acquire these virtues. Um, And it's something that um, we have to be intentional about. So, first is to acquire them. The second is to develop them. He says, for if these qualities are increasing. If these qualities are increasing. So, to be increasing here means to possess more than enough, even too much of something. It actually means... That it's, it's to claim ownership of a of a progress of, an ever progressing um, in, pro- progressing in increasing amounts. So it's, it's the idea of owning the 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 growing of it, the developing of it, the nurturing of it, the cultivating of it. That's his point. It's like um, uh, increasing it. And so there are. What's fascinating to me is just by this very statement, what what Peter's saying or God's saying through Peter is that. Um, there are evidently degrees of ownership of these qualities. There's degrees of ownership of these qualities. And interestingly enough, that has a direct ramification upon applying in, in degrees of, in, of productivity in our intimacy with Christ. So, somehow there's this like parallel going on. He says, like, to the extent that you are more increasing and more growing and more developing and more cr- nurturing and more cultivating these things, like, your, your intimacy with Christ is going to grow. Um, um, also, so acquiring, developing, um, and then um, it, it is our responsible to, responsibility to continue to grow and develop these virtues. Grow and develop these virtues. Third one here is to practice these things. Practice these things. So he says, for as long as you practice these things, as long as you practice these things. Um, so he says, um, this refers to the ongoing drumbeat or pattern. So this is the concept that um, uh, Squall was talking about earlier. Is like this idea of like um, regularity. It's the idea of, of discipline. It's the idea of of, uh, of 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 a habit. It's the idea of um, putting it in place and and seeing it uh, done regularly in your life. Um, so uh, it's it, it, in order to do that. Uh, at least in my life, it's ha- it has to be kind of an intentionality. Back to our decision-making process, right? So we're making a decision to make it an intentionality because intentionality hopefully stems from what we think is important. I'll suggest we all have enough time in our lives to do what is important to us. We all make decisions on importance every day. And so the question isn't, do I have enough time? The question is, do I think it's important enough? That's the key question. All of us will have 24 hours. We all can spend it any way we want to. The question is not, do I have enough time? And we blame it on that all the time, by the way. I do. But, yeah. Guilty. I will do whatever I think has the most importance in my life, personally. Um, most importance. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 11. Most importance. Psalm 16, 11. Somebody got that? You know, I think if we really believe that, that, that the presence of God, that in the presence of God we have that kind of value proposition of, of in intimacy comes the pleasures of God forevermore, 
uh, that would really just transform our thinking about our time with the Lord. Just transform it. Like, it would become so valuable, so so worthwhile in our life. So acquiring, developing, and practicing. So the outcomes or results here is success. Success. In verse 8 he says, we will be useful. So let me give you three outcomes or results. First is useful, being fruitful. Useful and fruitful. It says they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Say it, say it the other way around. <laughs> In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to render here is, um, really means to make or to put in place or to set in order. Um, in other words, our decisions to intentionally pursue these puts our lives, I'll call it, back in order. The, the thought would be that our lives are out of order. <laughs> and that by doing this, it's going to put our lives into order. And, and order is only defined here by like what God is looking for and wanting in my life. Does that make sense? Like that is what means to be put in order. Um, is what, how God wants it. And he says when we do that, or as we're in the process of doing that, we will be useful. I'll use the word purposeful. What's your purpose in life? Do you know what it is? Are you in hot pursuit of it? So one is that our very lives will start to align with what God's purpose is as to why he's created us. Okay? And the second one is, as we do that, he says we'll be productive. He says we will be fruitful. We'll be fruitful. And so we will become... Uh, 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 I'll call it, uh, you have this, this fragrance of God's grace manifesting itself in, through our lives. Um, and so it will become incredibly powerful um, because the, the fragrance of grace always overcomes the fragrance of death. Always. Um, so he says it will be useful and fruitful. Second is that we will not sin. We will not sin. He says, you will never stumble. So I want your help here to understand what this means. <laughs> I looked in the Greek to this word never and did a lot of like word studies on it. And it never means like never. <laughs> like all things. Like all things. Yeah. Like it means all. <laughs> so this is really fascinating, wow. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So help me kind of, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. Well, like, when I think of the words like never and always, I think there's like... Yeah, right. Like, so, like, <laughs> to mean, like, they're going to fail, but, like, but like if your, your desire is to not sin and sin... To, like, sometimes when you sin and you fail, you think, oh, I'm so ashamed, I can't... How can God love me? Or how can I not, you know, or how can I not be with Him anymore? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's not true. I always, exactly. I'm always pursuing you. Remember that, to, you know, you should with me and, and walk. You know? Absolutely. So. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll be aware of our sin when we start okay. to make quick confession, like as opposed to what you're talking about, like being short-sighted. Yeah, not blind of it, and like you know, not seeing it, and not transparent about it, not owning it, and and aware. I have sometimes been aware. I want you to show me this is not the right way to mm. go, and I'm aware of that more mm. so now than. Mm. Amen. Progressing. Amen. I mean, progressing. I mean, yeah. I think it's a building block. Yeah. You will continually get to that point. So right. I don't know. So let me. Let me suggest something. Let me just see if it works for you. Okay, so, so I think never does mean never. Yeah. I, th- I think he means never. Okay, and so, but you know that's not the that's not our experience in our life necessarily. So let me maybe do a, a slight modification to how it would read. Right? Is like so um, as we are in the process of having intentionality and diligence, all diligence around pursuit of these seven attributes, as you're in that mindset and as you're in that framework, like it, you'll never sin. But obviously we do, so because we don't. Right? Does that make sense? Like, so as, as you're in the process of having an intentionality around godliness, around knowing about loving one another, around like, being self-disciplined, around moral excellence, around you know, all these things, he's like, as you, as, as that, is that sh- the mindset that's the mind of Christ that you're allowing to reign supreme in your life? Like, when you're in that space, you'll never sin. Like, you, you just won't do that. But we all know that experientially, that's just, we all struggle. And we all aren't there. Does that help or make sense? Yeah? Okay. So then, uh, as we pursue these virtues, we will never trip up. We'll never stumble. We'll never sin. We'll never fall. The idea here is that um, we will never um, 
enter into these um, areas in such a way that it will be long, it will be deep, um, or have these like incredibly misfortunate um, consequences. I forgot to read that in the last, we went through the ones on the first side, but it says, and could suffer immense misfortune as a result. Immense misfortune as a result in our life. Um, Okay, so uh, really key key thing there from that perspective. Um, And then last but not least, uh, uh, it's going to uh, build confidence. So we're going to be useful and fruitful. We're not going to sin. And thirdly, it will build confidence. He says, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Uh, what does this mean, and how do you think it's done? What, is this, what does this mean, and how, how, do, how do you think it's actually done? How, what does it mean to be abundantly... Like, and you do these things, focus on these areas, like, like your entrance to the kingdom of God will be abundantly supplied to you. Um, to you. Yeah. 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 Um, Remember the word supply? We talked about like completely lavishly above. And now he's saying abundantly supply. That's what he's saying. It's like way over the top, more than you can ever um, deal. But what does it mean to be, um, uh, what is this way into, what do you say? Say way into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. I thought we were already believers. What is he he referring to, you think? Okay, an ultimate reward? Yep. Okay, an ultimate reward. In what way would it be abundant? So you're saying that the the ultimate re- reward will have rewards abundantly when we get there. I, I think. Uh, okay. In my life. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, like, well, that wasn't really enough. That was kind of yeah. worthless. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, the the suit of these things. Yeah. Is worth. Yeah, that's that's yep. the good stuff. Yeah. The rewards for that. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna stand the yeah. test of the flames. Yeah. Exactly. If that's the reward, don't you want to hear like, "Well done, like good job," and he's very pleased with you, or you just like, is like heaven just the only goal that you want? Like, exactly. Like just the eternal salvation. It's more than it's more than pleasure, and that's the reward. Yeah, and our reward is Jesus, right? Yeah. It's the presence of Jesus, and so like him to say, "Well done." Okay, good. And Others. Insurance of our yes. salvation that we will. As we stand firm, as we are in this, all of this, yes. <laughs> that we stand firm, that, that no doubt will enter our yeah. mind into whether we are saved or, you know, that, that our reward will be the eternal. Amen. Just, just a, turn, turn with me to Ephesians um, 4. Ephesians 4. <clears throat> um, would somebody read verses 14? Uh through 15. No longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, that speaking the truth in in all things grow up into Him. Amen. So that process of being growing up and not like, you know, wafted on the waves without a rudder or an an anchor um, will give us this great confidence. This great confidence. And so, um, for, it says, for in this way, it means the discipline in our lives to please God, become more like Christ. So as we do that, he says, this will be abundantly supplied to us. So this describes the blessing of assurance, back to what uh, Connie was saying, that we are children of God. It describes the encouragement towards enduring or perseverance in the midst of trials and suffering. It's the strong tower we run into because he, we know he is worthy of it and that he is capable of it. Uh, and... Uh, this confidence will be an encouragement that he is abundantly supplying these things to us. It's not in like meagerness or, or, or not. It's abundantly supplied to us. And it will, quote, undergird our souls at the times we need it the most in our life. It will be the, the breath of fresh air. It will be the, the encouragement of the, and the confidence that the Spirit of God gives us to steady on. Steady on in, in the midst of it. Last but not least, as Dave said, it, it implies a future reward. It implies a future reward. Would somebody close in closing read Revelation twenty two twelve? Revelation twenty two twelve. Somebody's got that. Hold <clears throat> oh, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. 
Okay. He says he's coming and he will bring his reward with him. Um, so just in closing, just to frame up this week, um, to the extent that we lack and don't pursue these virtues, we will be unable to rightly diagnose life. We will quickly forget what God is up to, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, and we will stumble spiritually. This, this is just the outcome of that decision of your life. It is what it is. And remember what we said. To not make a decision says, what? This will be our experience. This will be our experience. Okay? As we acquire, as I'll say as we make the decision to acquire, develop, and practice these virtues, we will develop intimacy with God. We'll develop a biblical worldview as a grid to be able to see it. Um, we will not sin. And therefore, aggressively, eagerly, and confidently validate the assurance of our salvation. Aggressively, eagerly, confidently validate the assurance of our salvation. Well, I don't know about you, but I mean, knowing God, part one, the value proposition of doing that. Part two was the journey, these, these seven attributes, moral excellence, discipline, godliness, etc. And then this week, like the stark reality of a choice. Option one or option two. Option one gives you these things. Short, blind, short-sighted, sin, useless, and unfruitful. Option two, useful, fruitful, will not sin, and the entrance to the kingdom of God will be abundantly supplied to us. I don't know about you, but it gives me absolute clarity where I need to go in my life. Somebody like to close in prayer? Dave, would you? Father, these opening uh, verses for ultimately great results. Pray that we would be there. Pray this, in, Father, also that uh, you just pick us up and you carry us um, forward in this life, the Christian life in it. Mm-hmm. So we just thank you for our time and uh, for today in this great time. Amen. Have a wonderful week.